Join Hands and Scotty G Friday from 2 to 7 at the warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Oh, well, let me just say, B-O-O-M. Boom! You put those letters together, they spell boom. Boom! Boom. I thought that was a boom announcement I'm liking the varied booms that we're getting. Boom. I thought it was a boom when they put out the press release that Kyle Whittingham has agreed to an extension that runs him through 2027. 2027. Let me repeat. No, I'm not going to do that. That is a long time from now. And this idea of can't win the big one. Let's investigate that and analyze that. I hate what that. I don't want to do it. One? I hate that. I hate that. The big one is whatever game you don't win. So until you win it all, you can't win the big one. That's it. There'll always be another one well, okay. out there. You can't win the but big what one. Is win, what is win it all? The national championship. LSU at Orgeron, 15-0. and 0. Until then... Is, is that the, the definition one. then for, for Utah? Is he I've can't win the big one until he's the last the U- team standing? I have literally sat in the Utah press box and heard one media member say to another, Kyle can't win the big one. He loses or no, Kyle Kyle loses one game every year he shouldn't win. And I had to interrupt, even though it was my Should conversation, lose. you know, me and my big mouth. I can't help myself. And I had to say, that's the worst take ever. Because in two thousand eight, he literally went thirteen and zero. So he doesn't lose a game he should lose every year because he didn't okay. lose any game that year. But, what but was you can his, always what? put the big you can always put the the big one out there because in the NFL, well, you got to win a playoff game. But once you win one playoff game, you got to win two, and then you got to go to the Super Bowl, and then you got to win the Super Bowl. And in college football, now that we have a playoff, and this was the downside of the playoff, you know, it's frustrating that you could have number one in the Rose Bowl and number two in the Orange Bowl back in the day, and they would never play. You know, it was frustrating. But now that we do have the playoff, everybody's a loser except the guy who wins it all. And Oklahoma can't win the big one. Well, there it's a national semifinal. Okay, well, see, I would argue, and I don't know when that was said to you. Was that said to you in the Mountain West days, or was that said to oh, you? Oh, it was probably, days? it was long enough after the season and they had to think back. So it's probably four or five years later. So that's, well, well that was Pac-12 when it was set? Because yeah, I think the, so. I think everything so. changed. Because winning the big one in the Mountain West is not the same as winning the big one in the, in the Pac-12. That's what I'm talking about. You have to define what is the big one. Is Utah legitimately playing for the national title? Are they legitimately playing? I don't know that anybody in the Pac-12, with the exception of Oregon and SC, is legitimately playing for the national championship. I don't know that that's a reality. So I have to define what is the big one you know, for, for Whittingham and whether he can win that or not. Is the rivalry game, is that the big one? Or is it a moving scale? And it's really not the big one. It's the A big one. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that you're going to Har- the Jim Harbaugh story there. You know, because when he loses to Michigan State, that's the big one. But then Ohio State's the big one. But if he beats Michigan State and Ohio State and doesn't win the Big Ten, you know, he'll probably hear it. If he wins the Big Ten but splits with uh, – uh, and this happens because they don't always have an undefeated champion, but he were to split with Ohio State and Michigan State, 
uh, he'd probably hear about it. Well, Michigan is a totally different animal, too, because that's my whole point. Yeah, the, the bar's different one for everyone. Is yeah. a, yes, exactly. Right? That's what I'm getting at. So what legitimately is the big one well, for the U of U football program? Right now, for Kyle right now, and for the U football program right now, it's the Pac-12 championship game. And I'm fine with that. Because they've lost the Pac-12 title game twice. It's clearly that's the game that has to be won. But it doesn't mean the bar can't be moved. It also doesn't no, mean that the I bar is that too. I, it but, also doesn't mean that the bar is always moved. You know, I think we, we could go. It'll take a minute here, but we could probably come up with coaches who are viewed as a success. Um, although that's probably more college than a pro thing too. Um, I've been jumping back and is. forth between college and pro, but you know. Um, well, but I'm talking about the U of U for the bar. For the U, for you, for the U right now, the goal is win the Pac-12 title game. That's the goal. That's, that's so. The that's the definition wants. of the big one. Right now, yes, I totally Do, believe it. Have we settled on that? I you have. Fans, have you settled on that? When you say because I've heard that, I've heard that from friends of mine who I value their sports opinions, and they have the right to voice that opinion to me because they've made the investment. They've got the season tickets. They go to the games. They go to some. Nobody goes to all the road games. Maybe with your kids on the team those particular years you do. But, you know, the diehard fan who's in his 30s, 40s, 50s probably doesn't. But they do go to some. And I've met them. I've seen them. I've been on planes with them. I've been on airports with them. I've interacted with them. I was thinking about this. This year, if I don't go to any away games, it's going to be like the first year in 25 years I've never done that. that's, That's how crazy this year is. So this is something that I feel like I have a legitimacy to because I've I've put in the time, and I've seen these fans, and these fans have told me that they believe it was time for a change because they believe Kyle has taken the program as far as it can go. And I say, wait a second here. Let's be careful on that because I also, too, not only have I been on the road, airport, uh, airports, airplanes, blah, 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 with these fans, I come from a long I, – I bring the most Pac-10 experience to anybody around here because of my background and I want to say let's let's put this in perspective. So, with that in mind, Ute fans, would you agree that the big one right now is the Pac-12 title? And I don't have a problem with that. I agree. The big one now for the U of U is the Pac-12 title. Because we don't even know if some committee is going to allow them uh, an invitation to the party, right? There was a debate last year on that because a couple of NFL receivers beat them in the Coliseum. And there was a debate about whether they should be legitimately in. And I'm thinking, of course they should be. But I wrote about that there probably wasn't going to happen. I took all sorts of grief about it, even though it was against my personal belief. Just like I said earlier this week, Oklahoma State, if all they have on their record, one blemish is an overtime loss to Texas, you're telling me they should be eliminated? That's ridiculous. Because it certainly wouldn't happen to the SEC. And it's probably not going to happen to Clemson if Clemson should lose this week and Trevor Lawrence comes back and then they run the table the rest of the way. So the point being that it's not a complete and total equitable system. So I don't even worry about that for the Pac-12. But what you can do is beat those opponents in front of you. And then if they invite you, great. If they don't invite you, whatever. 
With that in mind, I think the big one right now for the U of U is completely defined by the Pac-12 title game. And do people believe that Kyle can't win that game when they lost to Washington with a backup quarterback and a backup running back 10-7? to And you can't win that game? I think that uh, Kyle clearly has not hit the ceiling yet. I think if you just, I think you could look at all, uh, I think he's been on the job 15 years now, and you can break it into five three year groups. And he's the only time he hasn't gotten better, obviously and clearly, is when they changed leagues. If you just want to go with the nine years in the Pac 12 era, that first three year cycle of players, you know, you don't play a lot of freshmen, but it, it tends to work out. That first three-year cycle, he had the 8-5, and five, which he did with a D2 quarterback transferring, and Norm Chow Collin plays, and I don't know how they pulled that off other than the whole division was down, so that helped. And then he had a couple 5-7s. and sevens. The next three-year cycle, he starts cranking out 9-10 and 10 win seasons. The next three-year cycle, he wins the division twice, which he hadn't been able to do in the previous cycle. So... I think it's clearly been trending up over the nine years in the Pac-12. Now, the six years he was in the Mountain West, you know, clearly the second three were better than the first. He barely lost those last three years in the Mountain West. He had some ridiculous record. I think they had a stretch where they were 41-6 and six or something crazy like that. Uh, so I think clearly, if you look at the progress they've made in the Pac-12, the arrow's been up. Now, you could be calling the peak of the mountain right as you hit it, if that's your argument, because I read that comment from James in the last segment about, you know, he, he can't win the conference. Huh? That, you know, right. <clears throat> we, we can all argue about what the future is going to look like. So if last year was the peak of the amount, mountain with an 11-win season, you really believe that, you may well be proven, proven true on that. But if you break these nine years into three three-year cycles, clearly they're trending up. Within it, there's a step back. You know, they, they have that year in 2016, I think it was, where they sent a lot of guys to the NFL. And they decided, let's not start Troy Williams the senior. Let's start Tyler Huntley and, and build for another three-year cycle. And we're not going to take that bad a hit in the short run. And in the long run, it's going to pay off. Well, you know, they got it right. And that sucks for Troy Williams because they thought he earned the right to be the starter that senior year. But the season wasn't terrible. They didn't roll out a 3-9. and nine. They had a winning record, and you can't argue with winning the division twice. The first time they won the division felt so good because that was the previous bar. When you win big, then the line moves. But the line time felt just as good. Two years ago, well, yeah, you're right. It, it did, but two years ago, the line was you got to win the South. Now you get to the title game and you're quote unquote playing with house money and all that stuff. Well, that sounds good until you lose the game and you realize you could have won it. Then, you know, nobody was walking off the field going, oh, that was great. We were playing with house money. They were walking off the field like, ah, we could have, could have, would have, should have. Yeah, I don't know that everybody viewed that they playing with house money. I Because you think inside the team, they knew they had a chance going in. They'd watch the film. Yeah, you're a game away from the Rose Bowl, man. You're not playing for house money. You're playing for gold. You're playing to go to the granddaddy. And you talked about how uh, back in the day that there was frustration. It wasn't. I don't. I don't think there was frustration from a Pac-10 standpoint. If you went to the, you went to, and you won the Granddaddy, you didn't care who was playing in the Rose Bowl. You won the Granddaddy. That's the greatest game there is in college football. The Granddaddy. It's the only thing that's called the Granddaddy, and it's called the Granddaddy for a reason. And I love calling it the Granddaddy. And I know people are tired of me calling it the Granddaddy, but you know what? I'm going to continue to call it the Granddaddy. We better take a break here, Yock. He's <laughs> thanks, getting thanks, Granddaddy. Somebody, 
somebody, somebody power down the PK computer and power it back up. Granddaddy, granddaddy, granddaddy. <laughs> well, it is so unique, and unless you've been there and your team is there, you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> one of the best things that Keith Jackson ever coined was the granddaddy of them all. Is he the one who did it? Yeah. Yep. And I've been there once. And it was the most awesome experience as a fan that I've ever had. Absolutely, did, yeah. Did anyone in your family ever use the word granddaddy referring to a grandfather? You know, I, I've heard no. grandpa, you know. No, we just want or, grandpa and grandma. Right, yeah, grandpa or grandfather, but granddaddy. No. That's and total. And he did it in that drawl. Yep. And it was perfect. That, so they were important. There was no house money involved there. It was, uh, and if you recall, that game and that last possession, there was a flagrant pass interference oh, yeah, that recall. wasn't called. <laughs> and Kyle just Lost went it. after the referee, yeah, and then somebody asked about him, did you see that play? You see, and he really got animated. It was one of the few times that I've seen him get animated in a post-game press conference because normally uh, he's totally under control and handles it the way the situation to be handled and he never he's not one to make excuses he just doesn't want to hear it but he was still fired up after the game and i can remember because i'm always in the back trying to pray that i'm actually recording the sound and not screwing it up and so i'm always nervous in those situations and so i was in the back behind the uh, row of uh, tv cameras and i just remember man he was still animated and for good reason i don't know that they would have won the game who knows what would have happened there but if you're talking about a specific call that wasn't made that was brutal i mean the guy ran up his back I don't remember who the deep defender was. I don't remember who the receiver was. All you remember is that collision and no flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was was an awful, awful non-call. Who knows what would have happened after that. But nevertheless, I mean, the next pass could have been picked off and returned for a touchdown. But uh, he was still fired up. So it wasn't about house money. The point is, can Kyle win the big one? Ute fans... You, you, and those who have made the investment, they're entitled, I believe, to give an answer. And some of them might answer no. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Brian Keel, former Cougar linebacker, joins us next to talk about the game on the blue turf. We'll do that next. Bowler's coming up at 9. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The play-by-play voice of BYU, Greg Rubel. Boise State announced pending permission from local health authorities. They're going to allow a number of students to come in and be a part of that game. Your thoughts on on kind of that announcement? I'm in favor of environment over no environment, right? I love the ambience of college football, and any crowd noise is good noise as far as a radio broadcaster is concerned. I guess I would just say if you know student-athletes, parents, or family members are, are going to be allowed in the building, well, that's great. It'd be nice if the same courtesy is extended to BYU if they have people that want to attend. It'd be kind of weird to have a game of this magnitude played in a truly empty building. And so while it might benefit Boise to an extent, I think even the Cougars would welcome a little bit of buzz, a little bit of juice in the building on Friday night. Hanson Scotty, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Zero Res. Put your best foot forward with the Zero Res cleaning before the holiday season. Clean in November, make a food donation to Zero Res, and they'll clean a fourth room for free. Forwards or backwards, Zero Res is the right way to clean. Call them at 801-288-9376. Time to welcome in the former BYU linebacker, Brian Keel. Brian, good morning. Hey, good morning, as always. Brian, I need your help. I got to make a pick. I need right. some brilliant insight. You know, it's easy for me, and PK knows this because he's heard me do it a million times. It's easy for me to go 
with uh, what I have seen before, you know, trends that have held over a long period of time, stick with those as opposed to, you know, picking based on some, you know, spur of the moment kind of deal. So I got this one trend that says BYU's figured it out. They got a quarterback that the NFL likes. They got a couple offensive linemen, maybe more than a couple, but at least a couple the NFL likes. They got an NFL defensive lineman. They're going to control the line of scrimmage. They're going to make a good quarterback play. They're going to do what they've done all year. They're going to win again and go to 8 now. And then over here, I got the Boise State program has it figured out over 20 years. They've lost like nine home games. They haven't lost anybody from the state of Utah in 25 years at home, 24 years at home. They are, they've won 16 in a row against the Aggies, Utes, and Cougars, and five of them against the Y. Why in the world wouldn't I pick the Broncos? These two things are button, button heads in my mind. What do you think? <clears throat> Man, I... <laughs> I'm 100% with you on both of those. Uh, I don't know what to make of it. I, I'll tell you what I hope. <clears throat> I hope BYU, um, I hope the, the players realize the opportunity that's ahead of them. I mean, this is the biggest chance that the program has had in 20 years. And <clears throat> it all comes down to tomorrow night. And it's just it's the whole thing. And, I mean, it doesn't, if they lose tomorrow night, the season's not over. It's uh, not, nothing like that. Like, you know, they could lose tomorrow night and this will still be a fantastic year. That being said, what a win tomorrow night gives the program is absolutely invaluable. There's just no way to weigh how, how much it does for us and how, how much uh, <clears throat> improvement it will help us in recruiting and money and exposure and, and et cetera. So given those things, I'm going to say that our guys, because of all the things that you just listed, they take care of business. And they eke out a close, tight, hard-fought win up there in Boise tomorrow night. Great. <laughs> For talk radio purposes, we would love to see that. <laughs> uh, obviously, uh, the more the local teams win, the better it is for us and our business and, and everyone's concerned about their own financial well-being for sure. So we have a vested interest in watching BYU win, not necessarily from the fan perspective, but uh, for other reasons. So in, in my mind, I view this as a really a, just a seminal moment in Kalani Sataki's coaching career because you can't say, ah, well, they'll be here again potentially because given the schedule that they play and they normally play in a non-pandemic year, obviously, it is so difficult to even just get to October undefeated because they play one of the top, if not the top schedule in the first month of the season in the entire sport of college football. So I don't know when they're going to be 7-0 and again. So in terms of going 8-0, and they may never at least in the next whatever years, have this opportunity. So from all those things that go into it, too, and I wanted to get your thought on this because when you think about we were talking about this earlier in the week, Brian, say they go 8-0. and zero. Well, they got two games scheduled left. We don't know what's going to happen. Should they add a game? Maybe, possibly. But we know they got North Alabama. We know they got San Diego State uh, ahead. And so 8-0, and zero, pretty much figuring the rest of November you only play North Alabama, that buys you another four weeks of every week being in the national conversation. And look what that's done for Utah the last couple years because in November, even though they didn't get to the playoff, they in November, everybody's talking about them, good or bad, should they be in, should they be out. You will get that if BYU wins this game on Friday. That's another reason, and I think it's an underreported reason why this game is so huge, because the Cougars will be in the national conversation minimally for another month. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Like, in terms of just opportunity 
it just it can't be overstated what's at, at at stake here and how big of a game this is and just how how much we we have to have it and and yeah you you, you said it you know going undefeated it's 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 hard it, it's it's hard to do when you have a chance to do it you got to take care of business and so you look at the last 20 years <clears throat> Utah's done it twice um, Boise's done it TCU did it before they joined uh, the the, the a, a big conference um, uh, Hawaii did it um, you know there, there's a bunch of programs that have done it and BYU hasn't done it that's one of the things we haven't done in the last 20 years um, you know we, we were close in in uh, the, the Luke Staley Brandon Doman you know, if our defense wasn't so terrible that year, and if Luke doesn't get hurt, maybe we do it that year. Um, in '96, they were close. They stubbed their toe up in Washington. <clears throat> um, anyway, close, close doesn't count. You got to do it, and this is our chance. And, and like you just said, this might be the best chance we ever get. And and going undefeated once helps you do it again because it boosts your recruiting, it boosts your exposure, it boosts your dollars which helps everything. And so again, yeah, this is just this is just this game is so big. It just you can't even put it into words. So recruiting has changed since you were recruited, but that doesn't mean that you don't know some younger folks going through it and all that. Can you really for the people who've never been through it, a month until the next big game, the next test, assuming that, you know, there isn't another game added to the schedule. But a month, how many potential athletes is uh, is the BYU coaching staff going to reach out to in that point? Plus, how many times is Kirk Herbstreit going to use the letters BYU uh, in order uh, on ESPN and what impact that has on recruiting? I mean, how much is the average 16, 17-year-old going to get hit with the Cougars if if they, if the Cougars win this game? Yeah, exactly. And, that, and yes, it has changed. Recruiting is a whole different universe now than what it was 20 years ago when I was getting recruited. And um, it's, I mean, it's the full-court press now. And, you know, for better or for worse, this generation of kids that are in high school right now that are coming out, um, they're different than my generation. They're different than your generation. They're different than those of us who came before. Um, you know, they love the hype and the social media and exposure and look at me and, and the videos of uh, press conferences of announcing who, where they're going and their commitments and all that crap, because I, I think a lot of it is crap, and I'm, I'm not for that part of it. But, but like I said, for better or for worse, that is how it is right now, and that is a lot of what drives these kids and their decision-making and where they're going to go play college football. And so, yeah, the more exposure BYU, the more mentions, the more – Social media engagement, the, the more tweets, the, the more ESPN posts, and, and on and on and on. That all just builds the the, the it, it, it expands our net, and you know there's there's a certain size to to the potential recruits that we can get, and if we can increase that net, then statistically it's going to increase our talent, and you increase your talent, and you, you you just have a better opportunity to win games, and it just. It all adds to each other. So, yeah, this this next month, I mean, it's just this is it. This is it. like I said, we can lose, and it's not the end of the world. Don't head for the cliff. All, all that stuff. That being said, I mean, this is this is the, the greatest opportunity, at least in the last twenty years, maybe the last thirty years that BYU's had. 
So from the BYU perspective, what concerns you about the potential to win this game? Um, so you, <clears throat> Boise, you, I mean, some of the things that you guys elaborated on, so they've only lost a handful of games at home. They're, they're so hard to beat up there. Um, I mean, we've had, you know, three games won basically up there and, and crapped our pants with a missed field goal, uh, a, a two-point conversion, and, and then running out of time two years ago. I mean, we've had our chances and we've haven't got it done. They're, they're a well-coached football team. They have good players. They play hard. They're, they play smart. They play very well at home. It's a tough place to play. They, they don't lose there very often. They're a great program. One of the winningest programs in college football in the last 20 years. And so all of those things stack up against us. And they, the things that go in our favor are our quarterback, who's just playing on another level right now, all those players that you, you, uh, you mentioned. Um, the, the team, you know, they, I think that hopefully they realize the gravity of this moment. And, you know, in the last couple of years, one of the things that Kalani and staff have done is they've played well in the big games. And and so you know it's the, it's the lesser games where they've they've underperformed and so for those reasons you know that's that's what gives me hope. You know you just made the promo for the day for the show, right? I don't. What, what's that? <laughs> when you said when you said we've had our chances but we've crapped our pants. Yeah, that that's the <laughs> promo that's going to play another thirty or forty times. <laughs> that's uh, yeah yeah quote it. Well, it's accurate, 100%. As a defensive guy, how much did you care? I I guess it would depend opponent to opponent, quarterback to quarterback. But in this case, how much does it matter to the BYU defense who the quarterback is for Boise State? They're they're trying not to say it and not tip their hand. Both guys have performed well in the game they played this year. Does it matter that much? Yeah, so, I mean, it's funny because I have a different answer depending on which hat I'm wearing. So if I'm wearing the hat of Brian Kill player who's going to be in the game, you know, bring it. I want I want the best. I want everything that you have. I want it to be legit. I don't want any asterisks. I don't want any, oh, but I don't want any of that. I want everything they have. I want to model we model, let's go, and I'm going to beat you. That's my mindset as a player, okay? As a fan – it's it's not that way because as a fan I can't control it I'm not on the field I'm not there's nothing I can do I just I'm helpless to just sit there and watch and so as a fan it's funny because it's kind of different it's 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 yeah oh, oh that guy's hurt oh it doesn't break my heart or that guy's sick or or whatever the situation is that guy can't play oh great that gives us a better chance to win and so I mean just be, me being a hundred percent honest. Um, depending on which hat I'm wearing, I have a different answer. And so for the players on the team right now, it's probably similar. Different guys feel different about that. So as you say so eloquently about crapping your pants, which you know, isn't eloquent, <laughs> it's rather descriptive, uh, with that in mind, what's different about this team? I think from the beginning of the year, one of the things that has – that has made me impressed and has given me pride is the sense of urgency, the emotion, and the attention to detail that they've played with. Um, you know, there's there's just been a, a noticeable increase in those areas. Um, guys flying around, excited, you know, pumped up, supporting each other, um, 
effort on defense, um, the little things on offense, downfield blocking, not a lot of penalties, um, you know, clean football. Not we haven't had the turnovers like we have in years past, and even even the turnovers that we've had, like you know. Um, Wilson's playing phenomenal. He's got two picks, and honestly, I don't think either of them are his fault. Um, I think this pick in the last game, you know, I was talking to Robbie Bosco the other day, and both of us agreed. We think we think it was just a miscommunication between him and the receiver. I don't know that, but that's what it looked like. I, I honestly don't think that it was a bad throw. Um, my point is there's just all these little things that have plagued us in the last couple of years that are improved this year, and so those are the things that give me hope, that give me pride, in the program that I love, win, lose, draw, um, and that that give me a, some confidence for tomorrow night. So then, do you attribute a lot of that to the way they lost those games last year? To uh, after after beating Tennessee and USC and Boise State, that they could also that same team could also lose to a seven and six South Florida team and a seven and six Toledo team and an eight and six Hawaii team that that's what's powering this, that they realize we should have been a 10-win team last year. We didn't tighten down on the details, so we're doing it this year? That's what I hope. So the the optimist in me that looks for the silver lining, um, you, you know, the way I look at things is you learn more from mistakes than you do from success. And that's just that's, – that, that's not just sports and football. That's everything in life. Um, mistakes – sting and you you have you 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 can learn you can learn more from them if you allow if you allow it to happen and so the hope is that that those ugly losses last year that they lit fires under these kids in the off season and that they worked harder than they would have otherwise that they they learned they learned um principles and concepts that they otherwise wouldn't have and the combination of all of those improvements play out on the field this year um, to our improvement so that we're better off than we would have been if we would have eked out ugly wins in those games. Now, I don't know that that's the case, but, you know, like I said, the optimist in me, that's what that's what I hope the kids take from it and how it translates this year. And, and so far, it kind of looks like that is the case, but, you know, that's the hope. What would be your defensive strategy against Boise? So and it's kind of similar to what we've had success, you know, this year. Um, I think we're we're at our best when um, we're able to stop the run and 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 not give up the big play. Um, I I like when we have four man fronts and we're able to get some pressure because it's tough to get pressure with three. I like when we have four man fronts and and you know kind of the formula that 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 they've put out there that's done that's done us well is keep them in front of us, make them do sustained drives and don't give up the big one, play smart and, and make them make the mistake. And that's kind of what, what BYU's defense has been the last three or four years. And it's a good formula when you execute it properly. We don't always execute it properly, but we've done it pretty good this year. And, 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 and now we have a test because it's actually a, a legit team. They're not just a good team. They're a legit team. They are year in and year out. And so, now it's just a matter of, you know, we'll see if how, how good the defense is. 
Brian Keel joining us, former BYU linebacker right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Is there one area where BYU has a clear advantage Then this area? They are going to dominate the Broncos, and this is how they can uh, – if they could write the script for a win, it would definitely involve this. I think it's the quarterback, and I think he's playing at such a just different level in so many ways that it, 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 what it does is it gives you a chance to win every game. And you can look in high school, college, and the NFL. I mean, if you don't have a, a guy there, it's tough to win. And when you do have a guy there, you, you have a chance to win any game. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You have a, at the end of the day, you have a chance when you have a guy there. And we got a guy, and he's, he's good, and he's playing at another level. He's clearly put in the work, and it's paid off. And there's just so many little things that he's doing well. He's throwing the ball accurately. He's making good decisions. He's not taking sacks. He's throwing it away when it's not there. Um, he, he scrambles when he needs to and gets yards. He's not turning it over. And he's just on and on and on. So I think, you know, if you, if you boil it down, I think that's kind of the, the edge that, that we have. Um, you know, we're not more athletic than them. We're not faster than them. Um, you know, we, so, and I think that's our edge is, is, that, is that position and, and that opportunity. He's Brian Keel. He's former BYU linebacker. He joins us every single week. And today he made the promo. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you. Brian Keel, join us every week here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And if you missed what he said because you came in the middle of the interview, uh, don't worry. It's going to play. How many times does a promo play before you pull it, Yuck? How, how will that work? Uh, usually, in, they usually go about two days, roughly. Yeah. So you'll hear Two days it. worth of that thing in rotation. And. Throughout each of the shows, it usually plays four to five times. All right, there it is. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Craig Bowlerjack will be here to talk jazz basketball and Chiefs football in 15 minutes. Stay with us. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Who's the most famous listener of The Big Show? If you're famous, call in. Yeah! Line two. Hello there. Who are you? Obi-Wan Kenobi. How are you? I'm all right. (laughs) Does Obi-Wan Kenobi say, I'm all right? Had one episode on television. Yeah. the Beaver Brothers. Brothers. Uncle Donnie, they called me. Jeff. I got the state of Utah to grant me a gambling license to host legal poker tournament, and I made the news for that. Come on. Someone's got to be legitimate, don't they? Bob Redford, give us a call. I like Jeff, who was on the news once. That was (laughs) The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller Subaru. So, PK, we just heard from, uh, from Brian Keel, and as a player, he would have liked to face all the starters. As a fan, he would prefer they face all the backups. Uh, I think fan Brian Keel is more likely to get his wish than starter Brian Keel. Uh, we'll have uh, BJ Reigns on tomorrow and see what he knows. He's the beat writer, uh, works up in Boise, covers the Broncos. I talked with him last night, and his thought is that it's questionable the very, very best to see either Halani or Bachmeyer. Halani hurt his... Well, I think the running back is a big deal. Yeah, Halani hurt his knee, Got uh, had like two carries in the Air Force game, but took a helmet to yeah. the knee and left the game. Uh, his backup came in and, and ran all right, Andrew Van Buren, 12 carries, 70 yards. But Halani's 
proven. He's been in big games. He ran for a thousand yards. You know, and, Andrew Van Buren might have a big game, uh, but if you're if you're Boise State, you know Halani can do it. <laughs> so you'd rather he he's more of a sure thing. And you know, if if they can't open holes for him, then no running back can do it. We get that. But um, you know, Halani's a sure deal. Van Buren, that was a nice game, but Air Force is pretty depleted, and I don't know if that'll transfer. Yeah, I don't really care about what happened against the Air Force. It doesn't matter to me. That has no bearing on anything. It's about what happens uh, with uh, the Cougars. And so if I'm Kalani, I'd be happy there's no Halani. You like that they rhyme. I say that. Yeah, you like that they rhyme. Kalani, <laughs> Halani. Nice alliteration. Now, I've been a Jack Sears fan for a good while. Uh, as I said, he, came, uh, he comes out of San Clemente. Sam Darnold went to that high school. Uh, Travis Wilson played quarterback there. That's two guys, you know. You got, and that's two recent guys. So obviously, you got a good football post. You got three guys in the last ten years that went on and played major college football. One of whom has gone on to the NFL, obviously. So that, that tells you something that you're playing quarterback at that at that high school. You, you're probably pretty good, and it's a numbers game when you get to the college level. And you know, he got squeezed out. Uh, at, at SC uh, by by some really good quarterbacks, I might add, too. And so he comes in, and it surprised me, no surprise whatsoever, zero. He's a veteran without experience, if that makes sense. It really doesn't. And uh, But, you know, he's been around. He's not a freshman. Uh, so he's a four-star kid. Utah was on him. I mean, I've, if he would have come to Utah, I think they gladly would have accepted his uh, commitment. Uh, so... I'm not. I'm really not that worried. Uh, Bachmeyer's a fine quarterback too, and I get what what Brian is saying from Boise's perspective. I would want Bachmeyer to be available, and then it's up to Harson who he plays. Uh, but you know, I don't want to see anybody go down with an injury. But I think the running back issue is more important because I feel like I I've, I feel like I've been I've certainly been aware of Sears now for several years, and I watched him play. Against he got a start against Arizona State two years ago, and the Devils won that game in the Coliseum. And if you go back, it, the only reason why they won, Nikhil Harry. I mean, it was just sensational. The catches that he made, he had like a 95-yard punt return in that game. I mean, he's a phenomenal athlete. We know that. Or otherwise, he wins that game. And Herm Edwards just raved about the guy. So I expect him, if he plays, to be really good. Although I, I still expect, you know, Boise has had 11 years, I remember, if I remember correctly, of a 1,000-yard rusher. So they've built up a rep, too. You know, we always talk about Utah being able to run the ball. Well, Boise's done that, too. They've, they've, that 11 years is very impressive. So Martin Van Buren, I mean, he should Andrew, be able to run the ball. Uh, Martin, Andrew. Uh, uh, the ABB. election this week, come on. <laughs> nice pull way back when. I expect Marty to be able to run the ball. <laughs> Marty. <laughs> Marty Van Buren out there. Yeah. I don't know that I've been this jacked about a BYU game. Certainly a, a game that didn't involve Utah in a good, good long while. Because I, you can't say, oh, they, they can be back. They, they, they're not, probably not going to be 8-7-0 eight and, eight, and zero anytime soon. You just... Just that doesn't work that way, given the schedule that they pretty much have to undertake in September. And, you know, at best, if they play four games in September, at best, two of them are going to be at home. 
if not, uh, usually it ends up, seems like it's uh, one at home and three on the road. And they're playing big-name programs and big-name conferences. We know that. So this is this is a once-in-a-fill-in-the-blank life. To the lifetime seems too strong. but some... I think lifetime is too strong, but I think as long as they're an independent with front-loaded schedules. Yeah. Because what they do is they the month of the schedule that trips up a lot of teams is – you know, that kind of late October, mid-November. We seem to lose a lot of undefeated teams in Power 5 conference leagues. But that's when the schedule gets tough. That's when they have their biggest road games. They start to pile up. Maybe you get the first one, but you get the second one. But for BYU, it happens right out of the gate. If they were in a conference, the odds of them getting to 7 or 8 no anytime they had a really good team uh, would go way up because your first three or four games, you probably only have one tough one. And you might not have any. You might be just you might be a solid favor in all of them, depending on how you're scheduling. Yeah. So this is certainly a golden opportunity, and it could be a once in a 25-year, 10-year, I don't know. I don't know any about that. I, I can't predict the future. No one can. But what I can tell you is this game is monumental for so many reasons. And just the fact that if they win... All the pub that they're going to get. I mean, listening to Herb Street and watching him the other night. He loves him. Yeah, he, and he's he talking was, about yeah, he was so Logan Wilson, but he must know somebody named Logan Wilson, uh, and he'll correct that. But everybody wants to be different. You know, oh, well, I like Alabama. Oh, wow. Thanks. <laughs> Click. <laughs> You're here to tell me something I don't know. Don't right. tell me how good Alabama and Clemson are. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? That's that's nothing. That That is absolutely dog bites man. Uh, but the other way around, yeah. So he's been pumping them up because it's a fresh story. And they're going to get that multiplied because you can't just you, – you can't – yeah, but Boise, you just can't. They go there and they win. That's monumental. And then they are right there in the thick of everything for a month because they basically go on sabbatical because of this crazy year that we're having. And that just—they're not going to put their feet up, obviously, and probably give them uh, you know some time off. But they're going to be working hard, I'm sure, in practice. But you know they've got a pushover game against North Alabama, and then you got another two weeks or so if I remember correctly, before you play San Diego State. And then, I don't think San Jose State's slowing down anytime soon either. So, yeah, when we get to San Jose State, that would be awesome if it's two undefeated teams then, too. I would love to see that and have another huge game. Why not? Yeah. So, if the, I would love to see the Aztecs win and, and, and pile up the victories. So, when we get to, what are we, uh, about a month away from that game? Was yeah, that's December twelfth. December twelfth. So you know, a little, little more than that. That would be sweet. And all that publicity they we get in the meantime, it's a, the exposure for BYU. It's the big key word with independence. Well, ten years later, if you win Friday, you are going to get it way more than you ever thought possible. Well, for San Diego State, the schedule looks pretty favorable. Uh, right. They ought to be four. Right. They ought to be four and zero. Their first big test will be. In Reno against Nevada. Oh, Nevada. Yeah, Nevada. I mean, Nevada. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is the Steeler dynasty when you talk about the Wolfpack. Coming off an 8-5 and five <laughs> season last year, 2-0 and oh this year, picked second in the West Division. Nevada? They were 7-6 and six last year. I uh, just looked and said 8-5, and five, but okay. They, they were wrong. No. But 8-5, and five, what's the difference? 8-5, and 7-6, yeah. and six, who cares? 
And the, the, Nevada's a good program. I'm not here to mock Nevada. Uh, it's really what I've taken away from the last two hours. <laughs> <laughs> but you, I'm here to mock you building up Nevada. Who's That's the, third, the difference. Who's the third best team in the Mountain West? That's what set this off. Boise and San Diego are picked to win the division. New Mexico, you idiot. No chance. Wyoming and Nevada were picked second. Vegas! Look at all that talent in Vegas. And Nevada's already beaten Vegas. And they beat Wyoming. He was picked second in the other division. And that was a fluke. Well, yeah, it was an I, overtime I game. It's an overtime game. There's very little difference between those teams. And I think it was in Reno, whatever home field's worth this year. I don't even know. But Chris Altfield? Are you kidding me? <laughs> nice. Good poll. That's that's Chris Altfield at Mackey Stadium. Come on, I've dude. I've been there. I've he, covered game. Well, one game. <laughs> so what? One game, right? <laughs> a certain uh, game or certain team. I believe there was the a former off. NFL wide receiver who made a big play in that game. Wasn't that Nate Burleson going 85 yards for a touchdown? Nate Burleson, and uh, my eyes were spinning because I wasn't sure which quarterback was going to take the snap for BYU. That's what it sounds like. It was pretty much a quarterback rotation every down of the like, like We wanted to like fly one, in the day of. One of those slots at Harrah's and Reno there, your eyes were spinning. Yeah, exactly. All right, DJ and PK coming up next. Craig Bowlerjack. The NBA is going to restart on the 22nd of December, it looks like. A couple meetings to uh, nail that down, but it, it looks like pretty much a done deal. We'll talk with him about that and the Jazz draft coming up. Uh, here's a weird phrase. Later this month, a November that has an NBA draft in the Masters, 2020. Let's hear it for 2020. Uh, we'll talk all that with uh, Craig Bolderjack. Coming up, and, and of course, his Chiefs. Uh, coming up next. Stay with us.